It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello everybody and welcome to the Talking City Podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy and joining me today all the way from sunny Spain is Mr Joe Bray. Joe, how's it going? Oh, not too bad, thank you. Hola, as they say over there. And that's about as far as my uh, Spanish has taken me so far. How are you doing? I'm not too bad at all, mate. Very eloquently put. Um, I can only I can see just from the light coming from your hotel room window that it's very nice over there, I'm guessing. We're a lot better than the, the grey and rainy Manchester that you have departed. Yeah, lovely weather. Um, it's been getting up to about 30, 35 in the day and then luckily the evening will be a bit cooler. Um, but I've just been out watching the, the City youth team game and even in the shade, that was quite warm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to be out here, but um, I wouldn't want to be playing football in it, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm certainly very jealous, but we'll come on to uh, Seville and Sevilla a bit more momentarily. But first, we do have the weekend's game to kind of discuss. City won, Aston Villa won. Now, me and Sai were talking last week and after the, in the aftermath of the kind of demolish, demolish deforestation. We'll go with that when they beat Forest 6-0. That's a good little pun. I'm sure like no that. other newspapers I'm sure no other newspapers done that before. Um, we kind of thought that, oh, maybe there were two kind of hard games in succession against Newcastle and Palace, two kind of bogey teams, two difficult games. And now they've come back from that battered forest and maybe everything's kind of rosy again. But that doesn't really seem to be quite the case, Joe, because another stumble, a 1-1 draw with lowly Aston Villa, Villa who are under immense pressure, or Steven Gerrard is for that matter, um, after only one win and then five defeats before playing City. They were kind of in a bit of a free fall and no good place whatsoever, but they took the game to City, got a point and, as we'll get to, probably should have won. Yeah, um, and I don't think that will have come as a surprise to anyone, really. Guardiola said before, didn't he, that he probably wished that Villa had more points because they probably had a bit more of a point to prove. Um, they were better than the league position suggests and we know last season that Villa ran City very, very close. On both games at Villa Park, it was it was, uh, it 2-0, 2-1 to City, um, mm. but Villa Three were very, very good in that game. Um, and then the last day, uh, we all remember the comeback, but Villa mm. looked quite good and quite comfortable at, at 2-0 um, and could have spoiled the party. So I don't think anyone at City will have taken them lightly and uh, uh, it didn't really tell that, that they got a, a pretty decent result. But I would say that more than saying anything about this, this season, how City are playing, it probably proves how good City were last season to get six points against Villa and against Newcastle as well where they've mm. dropped points this year. I think that those instead of being a worrying point for this year, it shows how good and what you need to do to win to win titles and how they did it did it last year because you do need to win these sort of tight games and, and clubs are gonna are gonna raise the game against City. We, we know that we've known that for a while, but especially with Erling Haaland, it's it's a real scalp now to, to get something from City. Um and I think it's probably probably a good thing that these these draws are happening now because it'll be those reminders they're not losing games they're still getting points they're still unbeaten and uh, it's probably going to be a good point at the end of the season rather than two points dropped 
Yeah, you can't argue that. I say Villa, even though they've had a tough start, they've got a lot of talent there. I think I said as much um, on last week's episode. They've got a lot of players. They've spent a lot of money and a lot of like Champions League caliber players as well. But City, I think, regardless, obviously got much more quality and should be beating Villa. You know, should be beating Newcastle, despite mm-hmm. how well both of them played. It's, and you know, they have the two 0 going behind, two 0 to Palace. The defense doesn't look that good so far. Um, and we'll talk about kind of the injuries to come um, that they've suffered in that game. But um, are there any kind of concerns with how maybe frail they've been in the opening stage of the season? Because usually. You know, I'm not even saying it's not. It's not like City have had poor start. They had a much worse start last year when they lost to Spurs and were a bit slow out the traps. And it's not like they can't turn it around or anything. And it's not as if there's anything to turn around really, because as you said, they haven't lost and they haven't dropped any. Sorry, they haven't lost any games yet. But this kind of it's not, it, it seems quite different to me. I don't know. I feel, I feel like they've not been this kind of frail, I suppose, or conceding these kind of. And I thought Villa's goal was actually pretty good. There's nothing Ederson could have done with the finish, but they conceded a lot of chances, I thought. And it just seems they're not really as solid as you kind of come to expect from City. No, I think I think there is cause to be a little bit concerned, but um, at the moment, they're sort of scoring the way out of trouble. Guardiola has said that's not going to continue at some point. They are going to get beat or they are going to drop points as they did. Um, and he was probably proven right at the weekend because if you don't take your chances... We know that this defence this year probably do have a little bit of an off, just just switching off a little bit, don't they, and, and concede a goal. Um, it, it's been interesting to listen to Guardiola about it because against Palace, when they conceded two set-piece goals, he was saying, well, apart from that, they only conceded one or two shots on goal. He's been really sort of triumphing how few chances the opposition have got. Um, but yeah, against Villa, as you say, there are a few more chances. City are maybe not as... Um, stable at the back as they have been in, in recent seasons and that's a sort of characterised the title wins in the last two years of, of really solid defence uh, maybe they're missing Imeric Laporte or just the ability to rotate Stones and Diaz and Laporte um, I thought Nathan Ake started really well so his injury might have um, played an impact if, if Stones who hasn't had a proper pre-season has come in um, and now as we know he's, uh, he's out for a little bit um, the chopping and changing probably doesn't help too much but if if they can continue sort of slowly improving in that area limit the amount of chances on goal um see what happens manage these injuries as, as best you can um i would expect that city will improve and, and play the way out of of trouble as they have done whenever they've had minor problems like this in the past they've always found a solution on the training ground fairly quickly and and managed to get out of it um but i'm guessing from your tone you feel there's a bit more of a, a problem well, I don't, maybe I'm being a bit arsed for this week because I've just got the stats up and they actually only conceded three shots and only one on target, which of course went in. But maybe, and I'm presuming, but I'm presuming that doesn't really count the Coutinho disallowed no. goal, obviously, which, you know, as well to get onto, should have stood. And the chances, maybe it wasn't that they conceded many chances, but the chances they did concede were really good ones. I think Watkins was very unlucky and then the, uh, Edison had to, was it, I can't remember exactly who it was from, but he had to be called into action as well. So, Maybe it's not quite the defence. I say I think missing the port is a big thing and it's not been settled. Ake's come in, Ake's come out. Stones has come in, Stones has come out and it's supposed to get to walk will be a big loss. Maybe there's a bit of fatigue. He's just sitting of the biggest pre-season. Maybe players aren't fresh. I'm not saying it's the end of the world or anything, but I think it's definitely a cause for concern. You know, as we get into the Champions League starting, it's not going to really be much of an issue in the group stage, but this sort of 
frailty will really be punished in the Champions League knockout stages. And when City have got, you know, they've got Haaland to get the, finally get their hands on the trophy, the, the only thing that can stop City winning the Champions League this year, I think, is City themselves and throwing away stupid games and a quarter or semi, which they've done in the past, you know, Leon the most famously, but of course Monaco as well. When they had the ascendancy, they've had a tendency to throw it away. It's never been an issue of quality. It's been an issue of maybe keeping the nerve and not making the, those kind of then drop, you know, dropping concentration. You said those drops in the most pivotal times, and I've no doubt in the league it'll get resolved. But if it kind of carries on being an issue, you know, a few months down the line, it might be worth something worth looking at. But you know. They have got Haaland, thankfully for them, um, who just gets the goals. Another one, 10 in six now. Um, and not, not really much to kind of write home about in this goal. A brilliant De Bruyne across, and he was kind of there on the back post to kind of turn it in. But I think what me and Sai have been saying previously, Joe, you know, we were actually lyrical last week on him um, when you've been away. Um, so this is your turn to kind of, kind of wax lyrical on Haaland so far this season. But I think... I say with that goal, it's not exactly the kind of the quality of the goal, it's that he's there to put it away, whereas in the past, the likes of maybe Sterling and Jesus wouldn't have been. Yeah, what's what's stood out for me watching Haaland is how little he does, but how effective he is when he does something. So we saw against Forrest, they kept him without touching the ball for 12 minutes, but his first touch was to put it in the back of the net because he had that movement. He was always watching, always looking for the ball, always making those, those little runs and making himself available. And even if the doesn't come to him. He is making space for for other people, and everyone's talking about his touches. I'm hoping that finally that will die down because he's scoring so many goals. But when he does touch the ball, he he's really doing something with it. And I was impressed with his hold up play in the second half against Forest, and um, the, the goal against Aston Villa shows again that he is always there. Like I'm not sure many other City players, especially in the sort of false nine eras, would have sort of gambled on that cross because. It was a very, very good cross, but probably a lot of players would have expected the keeper to to collect it before it, it sort of took that drop at the end. Um, but yeah, Haaland is uh, he's the amount of times you sort of look around and everyone's just sort of in amazement of like he's done it again. It could be just a simple finish or um, you know a one on one or whatever, but he makes it look so sort of easy and his strength is 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 brilliant and it's just the aura he has. I think the Defences really, honestly, don't know what to do with him. I think the only way to stop him scoring is stopping, stopping touching the ball, because he's shown that when he will touch the ball, he's having a shot, or he's laying it off to someone to have a shot, or or he's going to score a goal. So, no, I've, I've got no idea how how you would stop him because he's so effective when he does get the ball, and he's always, always watching. Yeah, and you're right. And I say he doesn't need to have the ball that often to make it count. It kind of reminds me of. Um... Uh, kind of a Batman Joker parable or whatever it is, uh, the Superman and whoever his bad guy is, Lex Luger or whatever. It's like the bad guys only need to win once. You know, Batman, Superman, all the good guys, they need to win every single time to keep the city safe. They can never have an off day. A Joker just needs to get lucky once and, you know, city's dead. There's, you know, God knows what happens. Carnage. But it's the same, we're kind of the same with Haaland. The defence is 90 minutes cannot put one foot wrong. And she can't let him touch the ball within 12 yards. They cannot lose him once. They cannot let him kind of get away in the box. Can't let a ball go near him. Because one time, one mistake, and he just he just latches onto it. He's clinical. 
And you know, and then he scores easily. Now, you know, Villa, fair play to him. I think Haaland had another shot, which Martinez did well to save. Kind of a good height for him. But apart from that, and then the goal, he didn't have much to do after that. It seems. I say he's kind of got. There's been maybe some criticisms for his lack of involvement in games, but when his involvements are so clinical, so um, effective, as you say, it's you know, it's hard to. I don't think the, them criticisms will last. Very long. I'd argue though that he, he does get involved, even if he's not touching the ball. He, his movement is exactly. so sort of clever and natural that the defenders are paying so much attention to him. Mm. And we saw that with Julian Alvarez getting some space against Nottingham Forest and happened against Aston Villa. Like you can keep him quiet for ninety minutes. You could even stop him from touching the ball. I'd, I'd imagine somehow mm-hmm. that's possible. But then you're allowing all the other attackers to have loads of space. It, it, he just has such a sort of dangerous dynamic to City's attack that I, I think it's a near impossible task to to stop him. And exactly. If you stop him, then everyone else is, has got plenty of space and plenty of opportunities themselves. Yeah, exactly. See, Batman, he puts all his focus on Joker and then yeah. you've got Mr Freeze and Penguin making carnage in the wings. So... It was, you know, Haaland doing what he does, but City... Did get lucky, very lucky indeed. Um, in the kind of closing stages, Coutinho gets the ball and he lashes an amazing shot right into the top corner. But before the ball, before he'd taken his shot even, um, referee had blown the whistle. Um, it seems that the liner has, and it's a, you know, we'll get onto the debate of whether they should do this or not, but they shouldn't do it at the moment in, by how the rules go. Um, the liners believe the Villa player is offside in the build-up. He's put his flag up. So the referee has kind of brought the attack to an end. Um, I don't think the, the Villa player got the ball. I think he was kind of intercepted, wasn't it? And then he put the flag up. Mm-hmm. But crucially, the Villa player wasn't offside when the flag was raised. The ball goes to Casino a second later and he bangs it into the top corner and it's ruled out. Um, well, I, I, it's technically not ruled out because it didn't mm-hmm. stand. Game wasn't in play. But the point is it should have been in play because the liner sh- probably shouldn't have put his flag up as early as he did, with the move still in play. And then the ref shouldn't have blown his whistle. Well, he had to blow his whistle once the flag was up, I think. Actually, no, he doesn't, does he? Because this was a debate last yeah. year, I think, something happened when the liner put his flag up, but the referee, and then loads of players stopped playing. I can't remember what game this was in, but this did happen. Yeah, no, I remember then, The referee, the liner put his flag up, everyone else stopped, but they went and scored. And that didn't count because the referee blew his whistle. So maybe the referee didn't have to blow his whistle. But blow it, he did. And the goal didn't stand. A big letter for City... And you know, uh, as you know, it's been come out that I think the Piagmol is it who do the referee the lines and stuff have said it was a mistake and it, it's not a good look in the last couple of weeks, which has been kind of dominated by poor refereeing decisions across the um, across the league. Yeah, it it was a, the wrong decision, but it was a wrong decision to uh, blow the whistle, I think, and raise the flag. But once the whistle has been blown, I saw a few people saying, "Oh, VAR should have let it stand." You can't because. Edison's heard that, and I don't think he was ever stopping that shot, but it opens up a can of worms. So, yeah, it's just a bad decision. So, let's let's remember that the next time City are on, are on the end of a bad decision to their benefit and uh, play it down a little bit because it was a massive let-off and definitely gained City a point. But we, we've seen City, when they go behind, it sometimes spars them into action. So, they might have, have come back. You never know, but, yeah. Uh, you'd be very, very annoyed if you were a Villa fan because that was a chance to take three points off City. 
Yeah, and it's, and it's a strange one. I think there's a debate. Like, I, I kind of prescribe to if it's offside, the line should put his flag up because eventually play's going to continue when a game shouldn't and mm-hmm. someone's going to get badly injured. Uh, I, think we, I think we might see it before in some certain instances as well. But um, in this instance, that isn't the rule. And so he just shouldn't have put his flag. Maybe he thought the move was over, I suppose, because the ball was going backwards and that's why he put the flag up. But, but he, if, he if the rule's there to continue and keep your flag down, he's raised it at the first opportunity. It's yeah. The line, the linesman's messed up and, and the referee's messed up, I think. Mm, yeah, absolutely. You know, City got very lucky with that, but they didn't get too lucky on the injury front coming out of the game. Both, as we kind of alluded to, both Kyle Walker and John Stones now injured. Um, can you talk us through what's wrong with them and how long are they expected to be out? Yeah, Walker limped off against Aston Villa, didn't train on Monday before City flew out to Seville, uh, wasn't in the squad, so he's definitely not playing. John Stones did train, at least in the open section, to the media in the first 15 minutes um, and then wasn't in the squad. Um, and Pep was asked yesterday at the uh, at the stadium what's wrong and apparently he seems to give the impression that Stones tried to run a problem off. He had sort of a little issue and ran it off or he may, might have picked it up later in the session. He wasn't completely clear, but either way, they both got muscle injuries. He said Stones is slightly better than Walker and Walker will probably be out against Tottenham, probably against Dortmund and maybe even Wolves. He basically suggested that it'll be after the international break till we see Walker. Um, and you, with City's relationship with international breaks, you won't be surprised if they maybe just overplay it a bit, stop him going to England and give him all the time he needs to, to come back. Stones might be back before, you never know. But um, yeah, not ideal. And it probably means there'll be a bit of a defensive reshuffle against Sevilla. My guess is Cancelo moves over to the right because Stones is probably the second choice at right back now. So if Walker and Stones are both injured, then Cancelo has to go back over there. Probably Gomez comes in on the left for a full debut. And then in the centre, he said, Pep Guardiola said, that's why we signed Manuel Akanji, because we need the cover. Whether Akanji starts, because Nathan Ake is back. But Nathan Ake has been injured himself, him and Phillips and Grealish are all in the squad, but haven't played for a couple of weeks. So it'll be interesting to see what the uh, what the team is. But I'd, it's going to be a bit of a, a new look defence. But I think Cancelo on the right will offer a bit of a bit of consistency in a bit a reshuffled back line. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you stole me thunder a bit there. We're going to, you know, you are in Spain, yeah, so let's go there now. No, that's okay because you know that's what we're going to talk about now. I should say, I think Guardiola is strangely, perhaps strange of him, been quite consistent with his starting 11s um, so far. I think is it five or six players that have started every game, which is quite unusual, you know, especially the Haaland. I think a lot of specul- a lot speculated that Haaland would probably get rested against either Forest or Villa. He started, of course, and scored four goals in him, so right decisions there. But um, does the first Champions League match, City have got a quite comfortable group, but Sevilla away especially is by no means a comfortable game. You know, they're very canny operators in Europe, more so the Europa League than the Champions League, but by no means any pushovers. Pep won't want to get the group stage off. Well, he won't want to lose any games, of course, but losing the first... It's never good and putting yourself at a disadvantage early on. So, you, so, you know, apart from the changes that you kind of mentioned there that in, in, will be enforced, do you see many more coming um, throughout the team? Like, will he kind of go as strong as he possibly can? Um, history suggests he will do, but I 
<clears throat> I genuinely, I honestly don't know how strong we are today because Tottenham are up next at the Etihad, which has never been an easy game for City. Then Dortmund at the Etihad, which is probably a tougher test than uh, Sevilla. On paper, Sevilla away being the second seed is the toughest one of the group, but uh, they've only got one point from the fall of the Liga games this year. Um, they've got a couple of injuries. Uh, Lopetegui's under a bit of pressure. Um, I think there's a hasn't been very well received by the fans in terms of transfers. Um, so City should really be winning against an out-of-form severe side. Um, but he always goes strong. He always wants to start off the Champions League, as you say, with a win. He'll go strong, even in the face of other fixtures. Um, I've been thinking for the last two or three games it'll drop Haaland, but he hasn't. Um, so I kind of now expect him to start every game, but if he doesn't, it's not a surprise. So I, I really, really don't know. Uh, how to call it um, he didn't really give much away yesterday he was more the questions about Haaland were more sort of how crucial is he to City's overall Champions League chances um, and he did say that um, if we rely on Haaland then City aren't going to win the Champions League at all it, it needs a squad effort um, with the defensive changes probably I would expect quite a strong outfield just to sort of balance it out if they, need, if they do concede one maybe two they'll probably need to Scoring out, out score severe. I'd love to tell you what the starting lineup is, but it's it's hard at the best of times to predict what Pep does with a, a starting eleven. But I think tonight's going to be it could be any any sort of combination of strong, weak to players. Mm. I really really don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you know Ake coming back only a couple of weeks out. I could pretty much. I think he'll start in the middle alongside Diaz or Defort, and I should say, mm-hmm. Cancelo and Gomez in at fullback does make the most sense, um, even if Gomez hasn't had much playing time just quite yet. But, you know, how, how worrying are these injuries at the back for City? Because I don't think it's crisis yet. Um, you know, they've still got enough just about, but I think any more, and it is getting a bit worrying, especially when you consider um, Phillips has spent um, the, most of this season so far injured. He's kind of the... Fernandinho, you'd think, who can fill in at centre-back and maybe even full-back if really needed. As you say, Stones is versatile. Um, they, they kind of were down to the bare bones already, really, and we kind of did worry about this uh, during the summer. If Zinchenko left um, with his versatility, Fernandinho leaving, you know, Sterling and Jesus, whilst they're not defenders, were very versatile and play anywhere in that front three. City did lose a lot of, a lot of versatility. Gomez... Does offer a bit of that. He's kind of an attacker, well, was an attacker before kind of being pushed back at the left. So they kind of regained it a bit, but it does a bit of a worrying picture at the back. If any more players succumb to any ailments, then it's going to be quite dicey. And the you know the likes of you, Wilson Esbrams and Rico Lewis, and a few others, no doubt, will probably be getting them surprise call up a bit earlier than they, than they may have thought. Uh, yeah, I think it's probably already justified the signing of Manuel Akanji. If, mm-hmm. if you've got two extra injuries because City have always been one fullback injury away from having to, to bring someone really inexperienced in. Uh, they've now got two, maybe two and a half injuries at, at centre-back. Um, so getting a Kanji in, he was brought in when, when he signed that they said he was brought in for his sort of European experience as much as anything else. Um, so I think he, he could be quite useful in, in these games. But it's... City knows the state of their squad. They know um, that some of the players are more injury-prone than others. Guardiola said as much yesterday. He said Stones and Ake don't have a sort of strong history of staying fit for long periods. 
Um, so it, it makes sense that they brought in the kanji to sort of help out and that will soften the blow a little bit. But I think they will hope that Stones and Walker are only out for, you know, maybe a week rather than two or three. And it, it sounds like Laporte, we won't be seeing him until after the international break. Um, and then he'll need obviously time to, to get fit again after after his surgery. So yeah, Akanji is a, a very good, uh, a useful and timely sign in, uh, just before the end of the transfer window. Mm -hmm, absolutely. Well, you are in Spain and you got to watch earlier today uh, City's under-19 side get their UEFA Youth League uh, uh, campaign underway. Um, how was that game? I'm, I'm due to see that uh, Daya Mabude scored once again. He's looking like a right player. Yeah, he uh, he ran the show really um, and that's saying something considering Carlos Borges got a hat-trick. Um, I was really interested to see the academy because not seeing him yet this season and obviously there's been a lot of players leaving and, and coming and going and Guardiola said the other day that you know some of them might not have the patience required to stay at academy level and are leaving to get first team challenges elsewhere. Seeing Lavia and Adozi and, and Gavin Bazunu go to, to Southampton and Juan Larios who was a very good talent but I'm not sure many people would have predicted he'd leave for £6 million. Um, so that sort of left a bit of a, a gap in the academy level, a lot of young young players. Um, and it looked like they were going to get a real tough test because Sevilla started really well. Uh, as I say before, very, very, very hot um, in the uh, the Jesus Navas Stadium. It is, it's uh, named after the uh, Navas who he'll come up against in the Champions League against, against Sevilla. Um, but no, City played the way back into it. Um, a lot of like, as you would expect from a Spanish team, a lot of uh, niggly fouls and getting in the air with the, ref the referee and trying to get players booked and sent off and little kicks out here and there. And Sevilla had a player sent off for exactly that. Um, but no, City were just played the way uh, into the game. Uh, Mabude, I think, had a hand or was involved in four of the five goals. Borges got a hat-trick. Um, Oscar Bob was in, in sort of a central midfield role. He was really good. Shea Charles sort of taking over as the new holding midfield. Uh, equally for the uh, the academy and it, it's, if, if these players are leaving then it's an opportunity for others to step up and I think it's the attitude at City's academy that um, they always encourage players to have big ambitions and if they want to leave they can do but also if you're there and you've got an opportunity in front of you take it and uh, I think Mabude will be one to watch this season because um, we know Borges is a, sort of a powerful wing good really fast on the ball Mabude really impressed me today. He was very technical. Um, yeah, really, really impressive. Absolutely. You know, a great start for the youth team. But um, do you see the seniors getting a similar kind of scoreline? What, what's your prediction for tonight's match? Uh, purely because Sevilla seem to be in a little bit of crisis at the moment. It's, it's a cup competition, isn't it? But I, I think City should be looking to win this relatively comfortably. And uh, if they can rotate a few players at the end of the game. So um, I'd be surprised if, if City don't win. But you never know with Champions League. If, if you offered Guardiola a 1-0 now, he'd probably snap your hand off, wouldn't he? Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. I, I see a narrow win. Maybe 2-1 to see, see if that defence holds up. But thank you, everyone, very much for listening. And when we, uh, you know, Manchester Evening News will be the place to kind of get all the latest from uh, Tuesday evening's match. It should be a very exciting one with the Champions League roaring back to our screens. And we'll be back later on this week when they look to discuss that match and look forward to the big one at the weekend or against Tottenham. What a game that promises to be. Of course, you'll be able to get all that 
um, or the uh, the build up to that, or the uh, live action, or the fallout from both matches on ManchesterEveningNews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City. You'll be able to get us on Twitter at ManCityMEN and on our Facebook page, um, which is uh, Manchester Evening News for uh, Dash Manchester City. Thank you very much for listening. Apologies if there's any um, audio breakups. Uh, Joe's working with um, hotel Wi Fi, which is never ideal, but we endeavour to bring you. Uh, another podcast anyway we hope you enjoyed it thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you later on this week but for now it's a wrap